Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Yes, another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope today is a fabulous day for you. I hope you feel good because the rent's paid, and that means that you have a roof over your head for another 30 days. And the refrigerator is full, so you can plan your meals out for at least another week. Otherwise, my friends, I'm saying that I hope you have your ducks in a row because it's sad to say, but I know some of you are in anguish today. Some of you are hurting this very moment and it's the kind of pain that appeal will not relinquish. It's the pain that will not let you sleep, nor will it let you eat. When that ride or die person hurts you, it is hell. And you know what? It's betrayal. And if you don't know the value of loyalty, you'll never understand the damage of betrayal. And one of the truest things you will ever learn is that betrayal never comes from your enemies. My friends, if you expect people to be fair with you because you were fair with them, <laughs> that's like expecting the lion not to eat you because you don't eat lion. As harsh as that may sound, that is again the truth. So now, let's slip into darkness and talk about my home state, Ohio. The truth is, Ohio is not a home free for a runaway slave. Cincinnati has earned his reputation as an important way station on the Underground Railroad. But we got to remember that slave traffic flowed both ways at the Ohio River. Some of the slaves who passed through Cincinnati were not headed north to freedom, but south to bondage. Yeah, and it was true that Ohio was a free state, a state that prohibited slavery. But there are other forms of bondage. Freedom and slavery in the early American Republic were not absolute conditions separated by an immutable line in law or practice, but rather were the extremes along a continuum in the status of persons. Legal restraints on their respective liberties, civil rights, and political privileges largely defined the status of free men, women, and ch ambiguities in federal, territorial, and state statutes in consistent interpretation of the laws and their enforcement, and a wide variation in local practices blurred rather than clarified these status boundaries. Ohio prohibited slavery, 
but only in the sense that no one could buy or sell slaves within the state. And it wasn't until 1841 that Ohio enacted a law so that any slave brought into the state automatically became free. Because before then, Southern slave owners regularly visited Ohio and especially Cincinnati, accompanied by slaves. Ohio laws allowed slave owners to bring their slaves into the state for unspecified periods of time before those slaves were considered free. And my friends, slaves who gained freedom discovered that there was freedom and there was freedom. Because some white settlers held black adults and children some of whom were former slaves, to involuntary labor north of the Ohio River as indentured servants. Now, how these people were considered indentured servants, I have no clue. Other slaves brought across the river may have been coerced to remain under the control of their owners under threat of being sent back to a slave state. Some of us may have voluntarily acquisitioned to this arrangement by concluding that a life of labor in a free state was preferable to life as a slave south of the river, even though they may have been little actual difference in their condition. Nominally, free blacks may have found some benefit in living under the protection of a white family even if this arrangement diminished their actual freedom. Like I said, there's freedom, and then there's freedom. The Northwest Ordinance of 1787 prohibited slavery in the territory. However, when Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois were carved out of the Northwest Territory, each state debated whether to legalize slavery, and the political battles were fierce, and although pro-slavery efforts failed, the new states quickly approved laws that imposed punitive restrictions on the freedom of African Americans. Ohio did not fully repeal the so-called Black Laws until 1887. Okay, so you want to know what black laws was? Black laws were influenced by Southern attitude toward race. And the kicker in all this was that slavery was not permitted in Ohio, but we could not vote, testify in court against whites, hold office or serve in the state militia, Further legislation required that blacks to file a $500 bond before settling in the state and to register their certificates of freedom in the county clerk's office before getting a job and barred them from serving jury duty. Blacks were not permitted in the public school system until 1848 when the law was passed that permitted communities to establish segregated schools. That, my friends, 
was the black laws. Whatever the individual states decided, the Federal Fugitive Act of 1793 made it legally obvious that no slave became free simply by entering the state. From almost the time Ohio was settled, the state and Cincinnati in particular became the hunting ground for slave catchers who earned rich rewards for returning runaway slaves to their southern masters. There is freedom, then there is freedom. Cincinnati newspaper were filled with advertisement offering rewards for fugitive slaves. The most famous of these ads, which appeared in Cincinnati's Western Spy newspaper for the 19th of June, 1802, was placed by future U.S. President Andrew Jackson. At this time, Jackson was a colonel in the Tennessee militia and had not yet acquired his great estate known as Hermitage, but he owned many slaves on his plantation near the Cumberland River. He offered $50 for the return of a slave named George. But now let's not get it twisted. Jackson was not alone in advertising rewards. Thomas Barlow of Georgetown, Kentucky, in 1799, offered a $20 reward for the return of a runaway named Bob. In the same issue of the Cincinnati newspaper, a Mr. Wells of Fort Wayne, Indiana, announced that he had captured two fugitive slaves, Bill and John, and was holding them presumably for the reward they would bring. In 1805, John McQuarrie and Samuel Berry of Wilford County, Kentucky, ran an advertisement offering $100 for the recovery of eight runaway slaves ranging from 16 to 45 years of age. Among them was a man named John, about 25 years of age, whose back has been well marked by the whip. My guess is that those brothers was on the railroad. But this same issue features an advertisement about a runaway Negro. This runaway was specifically not a slave, but an indentured under contract to one William Ross of Limestone, now Maysville, Kentucky. The indenture was signed in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. At that time, Pennsylvania was still a slave state. A law passed in 1780 provided for gradual abolition of slavery, prohibiting importation or sales of slaves, and providing that any children born to slave mothers would become free after a period of indentured servitude. By 1805, there were still more than 1,000 slaves in Pennsylvania. Throughout the decades, there are many examples of slaves sent back south after being captured in Cincinnati. Levi Coffin tells the story of a slave named Jackson, once owned by William King, who served as vice president under Franklin Pierce. 
Jackson ran away to Cincinnati, but was caught there and sent to Alabama. Toni Morrison's wrenching novel, Beloved, tells the story based on historical fact of Margaret Garner, who escaped with her husband and children across the Ohio River, but was captured in Cincinnati, where she killed her daughter rather than allow her to be returned to slavery. There is freedom, and then there is freedom. Henry Walton Bibb escaped slavery in Kentucky and made it to Detroit and was returning to rescue his family when he was betrayed and recaptured in Cincinnati. My friends, it is true the Underground Railroad carried many people north to freedom, but far too many were railroaded back south. My friends, once again, that music tells me that it's time for me to get out of here. But before I go, I have to leave you with this message. I hope you have the courage to walk away from anything that no longer serves you, from anything that fails to inspire your mind. I hope you have the courage to grow, to change, and do things differently than what is expected of you to step back and seek out the kinds of things that ignite passion and excitement within your very bones. But most of all, I hope you have the courage to forgive yourself for all the times you did not have the courage to believe that you deserved more than the kind of life you were settling for. Have a fabulous day, my friends. Until next time, it's been my honor.